Jack, did you want to say anything about the 21 days of fasting? Uh, he's encouraged, I'm not fasting communion. I've been fasting. <laughs> no, not Arlo. I have in the past, though. My mic's not on? It is? Praise God. Is it on? Test. Worked when I put my hand down there, Randy. Tell you what, you and Zach just elevated us tonight already. Just wish this microphone wouldn't bump like that. But yeah, 21 days of communion. He encouraged us to to do. My wife and I have been claiming the healing of God and and so on that you can claim when you take your communion. You know, let God work. Well, I tell you what, I wish I had more people in the front up here. I keep wondering if I need to change my cologne or, or something. But anyway, it's good to be here tonight with you. And this is part seven of Moving Past Forgiveness. And uh, we're going to dig in at first look at Psalm 37, and if you would with me there, and I want to read you a statement, and then I'm going to read the scripture, but it says, this is the statement, people are upset with God because they look at others and feel like it isn't fair that it seems that they don't have the same problems. How many of y'all see people in the world and they just, they could be living any old way and it just seems like they don't have the same issues that you're having to deal with. Sometimes finances or whatever. But uh, let's look at what scripture has to say. So we're going to go back. I'm going to turn my page backwards. There we go. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now let's understand, evildoers, that's pretty plain, isn't it? People who do wrong. You can be wrong by <coughs> just making a mistake on one line on your tax return, and they can tell you that you're wrong and you're going to have to pay a penalty. I don't think that's evil unless you intended to do that and you were trying to get away with it. Evil is really something that seemingly is worse. You know, I can't say one sin is worse than another at keeping you from heaven or sending you to hell. It's really the rejection of Jesus and his blood that sends you to hell. It's not your sin. You know, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is what the scripture says. But when we see this, and it talks about evildoers, I think of people who have calculated of doing something so wrong and hideous and hurtful to other people and causes so much fear in this world. That's more along the lines of evildoers 
But he said, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't be envious of those that have things, but they're working iniquity. You know what iniquity is? Iniquity, because David in Psalm 51 talked to us about transgressions, and then he mentions iniquities, and then he mentions sin. And sin really is the essence of a wrong lifestyle, whether it be in any category. You just choose one of those that we call sin. But it's a lifestyle that people fall into. And so sin is the end result. Iniquity, transgression, leads to iniquity if you don't stop it. You know. So uh, workers of iniquity, don't be envious of them because they're always breaking the law. Iniquity has to do with boundaries. They're always crossing the boundary. They're doing things. And you have to stand up for yourself. I, I've taught classes on boundaries. I've got a boundaries book in my office that I've led classes along with the 12-step program before talking about boundaries. And uh, you have to learn to hold your boundaries. You know, it's not right for people to cross your boundary line. You know. Sometimes a person, if you're talking to them and they get a little too close, doesn't that make you uncomfortable? They step right into your space and they, they want to talk to you right there. And it's like, hey, can, can you back up just a little bit? I'd rather see your eyes from my arm's length than that close talking. That makes me uncomfortable when people do that. And, uh, you know, just it's weird to me. You know, people enter your space like that, your personal space. But that's kind of like the boundary issue. He said, don't be envious of those that cross boundaries, that do wrong things. And a lot of them laugh about it, you know. they. I've told you various things that I don't do I just refuse to do it I wouldn't go to hell for it but you know I don't want to do it and it keeps me in good standing I don't cross those lines and I'm not picking on anybody in this room because I don't know what you do but I've mentioned it I just don't play the lottery you know no matter if you know might win twenty dollars big whoopee I'm not going to do it I'm not going to blow $5 20 times to win $20. You know, and that's usually what happens. But that wouldn't be it for me. I've told you that. The devil would let me win thousands if I played it because he'd like to ruin my reputation as a minister. He'd like me to be plastered on the newspaper. Pastor wins million-dollar, what do they call it, jackpot? Lotto jackpot. That'd be the end. I might as well quit preaching at that point. Get off the radio and everything. But, you know, it's, it's a boundary that I just don't cross. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny sometimes. I remember I had some relatives come into town, and they were Pentecostal. And we went to the back when it's called the IGA. Remember Snyder's IGA back in the day? 
And that was when the, the lotto-type concept came out, and they had these tickets inside a six-pack of Coca-Colas in the bottle. Well, you had to pay a little extra, but you get this six-pack of bottled Coke, and it had a lottery ticket stuck down there. It wasn't like you get now, you know. Those things look elaborate when I go into the quick stop, you know, or the convenience store, and these lotto machines, it looks like, man, you got to take a class on how to play the lottery. But uh, they, they bought those Coca-Colas, and they got such a kick out of it because it had this ticket that they might win some money. I wouldn't even do that. You know, I'm real adamant about that. But, the, you know, they've been in the ministry. It's funny to them. Oh, I don't play the lottery, but look, I got a lottery ticket and my Coca-Cola. Man, I got away from that. You know, you got to run from what the appearance is of evil or iniquity. Iniquity is when you get those boundaries crossed. And when a person crosses those boundaries over and over and over, it's habitual. It becomes a sin because they get down in the mud, so to speak, and they're there every day. And it's an addiction. That's why gambling is an addiction. It starts somewhere, playing bingo or something. Oh, pastor, that's, that's harmless. Oh, no, I tell you what. You open the window and the devil puts his foot right in. That's why you got to watch what you look on TV at. I mean, the devil put his foot right in your door. And if he can, he'll squeeze through. So, you know, be careful. But he tells you, don't be envious of the, those workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know what? Everybody's going to suffer one day if they're not now. And you, That's why I don't envy them because eventually it's going to catch up with them. The old saying, what goes around comes around. What you sow is what you reap. You know, and uh, you just have to be careful. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's pretty straight, isn't it? You trust in the Lord Jesus for your needs, for your life, for heaven one day, and then do good. It doesn't matter what others are doing, Sister Sheila. They could talk bad about you. They can throw eggs at your car or, or you know, toilet paper the trees in your front yard. But, you know, it says trust in the Lord, and you do good. You don't have to fold in and do what everybody else is doing. So, you know, trust God. Do good. Then he says, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That means live. When you're living, live on God's faithfulness. You may wonder, you know, I tell you what, we don't know how much we have to eat. It's like the story of the elderly lady, and she needed groceries, and she was kneeling down by her window, and the window was open. She didn't have air conditioning. She was a senior citizen getting a retirement check from the Social Security, and she had run out. Of, she had a bill or two come up, and she said, Lord, I just need some food. I need some milk, and I need some eggs. Lord, can you help me provide it? Well, there was an atheist living in the apartment above her apartment, and he walked by there and overheard her praying. So he runs down to the grocery store, 
and buys all these things that she was asking God for, and then he puts it on the porch and rings the doorbell and runs down and hides behind the bushes. She comes out and she's, Woo, praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Look how God has provided for me. And he jumped out from behind the bush and said, Look, lady, that wasn't the Lord, that was me. She said, Well, thank you, Lord. You made the devil go to the grocery store for me. Yeah. But uh, we don't worry about what the world's about. We live in the land. We live today and live in his faithfulness. Even if his faithfulness is brown beans and rice. <coughs> of course, I like red beans better. My mom used to make brown beans and cornbread. I thought it was a delicacy. I didn't realize it was just cheap, easy to make. Of course, you know those gals knew how to make cornbread now, and it tasted good. You slap some butter on that and a little honey or something. Goodness sakes alive, eat those beans with it. Of course, I didn't grow up on rice. I would have been a little thicker if I had when I was younger. But he said, delight yourself also, not just in it, but he says, delight yourself also in the Lord. So he's saying you're to delight yourself anyway, but delight yourself in the Lord. Man, I tell you what, that's awesome, isn't it? Just go out and yell, praise the Lord or something in the morning. Scare your neighbors. Hallelujah. You know, but you delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He didn't just say needs there, did he? He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I'm not pushing a prosperity message tonight, but we know God wants us to press, prosper and be in good health. Amen? Even as our soul prospers. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, He says He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, not if your heart's unclean. But what kind of desires do you have? that are pure and holy. Man, I tell you, I always prayed for my kids that they would meet a godly man or a godly woman. I always prayed. I delighted myself in the Lord, and I know He is going to give me the desires of my heart for my family and for me personally. You know, and... Uh, Everybody's got choices they make in life. And some things, you don't make them images that you worship. It's a good thing I don't have a 63 vet. You know, that Corvette, boy, I'd come close to idolizing that a little bit. Split window in the back, those nice curves, you know. You could get close to lusting after a car. But, you know, one day maybe I'll have something. A 57 Chevy would do for me. It doesn't have to be a vet. Just a two-door hardtop would be fine. With some Kreger mags. And smoke the tires a little bit. No, but I'm saying sometimes God will give you certain desires. 
because you're faithful and you give and you plant and you work for him. You do for him. And because of it, sometimes he opens the windows of heaven. And the Lord knows your heart. Boy, I tell you, I used to love the 72 uh, Porsches, 911 or 912, whatever they were. Uh, there was a pharmacist that worked at Key Drugs. I was a high school student, and I worked there cleaning the windows, sweeping the carpets, and picking up the trash. And, and I always thought she had such a nice car. She was really cool. And uh, I'll never forget that. And I'd tell the Lord, Lord, I'd like to have one of those one day. Then a 57 Chevy, I drove uh, Chuck Searle's 57 Chevy over there, took it out to the Ronnie Sox muffler place about 25 miles away from Graham, North Carolina. Eddie loves Chevrolet. And Chuck Searle's was a service manager. And Anna, I drove that thing out there. It's straight. That road was straight as an arrow. I put the pedal to the metal now, sister, let me tell you. That thing, I don't know how fast I was going, but that was nice and heavy, so it rode real smooth. And I got out there and got those mufflers put on and came back. I was so happy, and he let me drive Mrs. Love to the airport one day with her kids. She was flying out of town. She says, Mrs. Love needs to go to the airport. Would you take her, son? She threw me those keys to the little 57. I said, yes, sir. Right away, sir. And I took that thing out there. I enjoyed that so much. Then I became a pastor down in South Florida and I started a Christian school and we were going to have a silent auction and I'd pray those prayers. Lord, I'd love to have 57 chairs. Lord, I'd love to have that Porsche. And this guy, the flow down at the uh, travel agency, she calls me and says, Pastor, do you all receive cars as gifts for this uh, auction? I said, well, sure. We can put it in the silent auction. She said, well, it's a 1972 Porsche. I said, really? Okay, yeah, we'll take it. And, and it wasn't running real good, but it still was what I said. You know. I put it in the auction, and one of the guys in the church bought it. And I thought, Lord, you've got such a sense of humor. You know, you know I wanted one one time, but I, I really didn't want that one. I want one that's fixed up already. But I just thought, that's so funny. And then another guy comes over and he says, Hey, Pastor, I used to, I used to drag race, and I have this 57 Chevy car body, and it's got a, a racing uh, rear end on it or whatever. didn't have any engine in it. I said, this is even going from bad to worse. <laughs> but it is a 57 Chevy. He said, I want to donate it to the school auction. So I sold two cars that year the only two, and they were two, the two that I always told the Lord that I wanted. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But my heart at that point was really more for those school kids to have better equipment, for kids to have grant tuition money that they can keep coming to the school and so on. So you see, your heart shifts a little bit, and he gave me the desire of my heart for the school. And I thought that was just pretty awesome if you ask me. But delight yourself in him. Then, he, then this next verse, I really love this. And I know I'm going to get to the part about 
forgiveness because we're talking about moving beyond it. But this is part of it. Learning how to delight yourself in God. Learning how to worship the Lord. And he said, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. Have you got some things that you need to do for God? Do you have some things that you need to get so that you're able to work for Him? You know, it's kind of hard to go across town and deliver something to an elderly person that doesn't have a vehicle, or it's kind of hard if you don't have a good vehicle to do it in, right? So you need to commit yourself. And he says here, trust in him also, and he shall bring it to pass. God will bring to pass the things that you are praying about. That's why I believe. That's why I testify to people now. They think I'm crazy. Did y'all know that? I tell them I'm nuts, but I'm screwed onto the right boat. His name is Jesus. That's why if I get a chance to tell them about my go-tooth promise, I give it to them. I said the vision that God showed me 38 years ago is going to happen because I asked the Lord to give me a gold filling if, you know, it was still going to happen. I was going to get to see it. And if the money was coming. And then a few days later, I'm there with the dentist in Mexico, and he gives me a mirror to look in there. And there it is. I got a gold tooth. If anybody wants to see it after church now, I'll show it to you. It's not just a filling. See, I asked for a filling. God goes above and beyond. He gave me a complete gold crown, a gold tooth blessing. You know what? I know that he's going to help bring it to pass. He's going to help bring the visions that I've had for Christian Family Fellowship International come to pass. And not only will he do it here, and I think Zach's going to have his hands so full, he's going to have to hire people right and left because this revival, when it kicks into high speed, there's not going to be enough people to handle it. You know, I knew those people in Pensacola. My brother got married in the Brownsville Assembly Church where the Pensacola outpouring happened. Only he, he did got married a long time before that. But I'd been in that church before. I knew the pastors. I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. I just get to meet a lot of people. But I'm really not anybody but I get to meet lots of people and I know lots of people <laughs> oh boy I tell you it's amazing it's an amazing life but that's why he keeps telling us these things he said he'll bring to pass verse 6 he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday he'll bring forth your position in being right. Now the hardest thing for a man is when his wife tells him, I was right. <laughs> My wife does that once in a while. She says, I told you, I was right. I like it when I can tell her that. though. But he'll show your righteousness, the way that you live for Jesus will be in the light. And he said, your justice will be like in the noonday sun. 
bright, not hidden from anybody. Justice is coming. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, your mainstream media only lets a little bit out of the real truth. Y'all know that. They know that we know that. I don't even know how they stay on the air half the time. But they're leaking out little parts of things that are going to be happening that show the righteousness and the justice of what is correct in the eyes of the Lord. They're uncovering little bits and pieces in the mainstream media, and yet you dig down, you'll find all kinds of stuff about it when you research. But see, the common folks, as we call people, they wouldn't know what to do if all of it hit them all at once. They'd be so shook up and scared. Man, you got to realize I grew up. I started school first grade in 1964. First thing I saw on television, and it was black and white, was President Kennedy's funeral after he was assassinated. I saw the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles came out and he had Elvis on there. We're talking about some history now, going way back. So many things occurred. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Robert Kennedy was assassinated. We had some tumultuous things happen in our lifetime. The Vietnam War on the news every night. Just... Incredible. Of course, many people have seen what was done in Iraq, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, what's happening in Afghanistan. So many things, I tell you. Just so painful to watch. But God's going to allow our righteousness and our justice to come into the fullness of his life. And he's going to have a testimony in the earth. And he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And rest doesn't mean lay down and take a nap. Rest means to put your roots down and get in a place where you, you, your uh, seed can grow and bloom and blossom, you know. That's why it's important, you know, if you look at people, if they just go from place to place to place, to, they don't ever put any roots down. You know, I can talk to some of you, and you'll tell me stories about when you were younger, and our sister, tell me your first name, I'm preaching, so I'm getting a good, huh? Kim, she was showing me a picture of Robbie Mitchell. She saw him in a revival just, what, a week ago? Sunday, last Sunday. Well, Robbie Mitchell's Tracy's husband, who I knew before I knew Tracy. And uh, he said, ask him if he remembers the bullet going through the roof in Homestead. Yeah, on New Year's Eve, he was preaching for me, and right at midnight, there was a bullet came down through the metal roof and the insulation like this right here. And it went, you could hear this, boom, poof. And you could see the insulation dust falling. 
and the bullet came down, hit Tom McKetney right on the button, shattered the button, and the bullet fell on the floor. Tom had a bruise on his belly. People around the community started hearing about that. I was eating at the Thai restaurant one day, and I heard these farmers, you know, Homestead had some big-time farmers, you know, and uh, they were over there eating. They said, you, you hear about that church where the bullet came through the roof and hit a guy in the belly and didn't even hurt him? I, I was looking, I was listening, me and a couple of guys were there. I said, yeah, I'm the pastor. They said, whoa! Like, you know, lightning might strike or something. <laughs> but anyway, it's funny how I'd never met her until a few weeks ago, and then uh, she knows Robbie from youth camp way back in the 80s. Back when I was a youth pastor that time but but the Lord makes it plain to us rest get plugged in you know no matter what's going to be in the future get plugged in where you're at right now be busy do something for God and he says and wait patiently for him you know uh, if when I was at uh, teaching school in Nashville and I was between a youth pastor position and hopefully going somewhere to another ministry position. Uh, my brother was a pastor over there, and we were going to his church, and their singles pastor had a situation happen, and they needed somebody to fill in. So the whole time that we were there, I filled in as a singles pastor. See, I was waiting for my opportunity but you always have opportunity right in front of you. No, don't wait like a book on a shelf or a lawnmower in a garage. Let God use your life now and become effective now. Not waiting for, well, I'm waiting for this sign to come. No, you get involved and let the sign happen. But he goes on, he says, do not fret. I like that word, fret. In other words, don't worry because of him who prospers in his way. That's kind of like don't be envious of those who do iniquity. There are many people that appear to be prospering in their way. He says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the one that you think should doesn't deserve it. They're not as good as you are. They aren't serving God like you are. And how on earth can they be getting blessed like that? you ever thought that way? I have. I've had to repent of it. Say, God, I'm not going to look at them anymore. He said, don't worry about it. Don't fret. He said, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Evil schemes. Wicked. He brings schemes to pass. And you got to watch because there are people out there that want to sucker you in, if I can use that word. They say a sucker's born every minute of the day. But don't let somebody draw you into their web and you think, oh, this is going to be glorious. I saw it happen with so many people. And they got off track with the Lord because of it. But he says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. If it only causes harm. Worry causes
causes harm. Worry contaminates other people's thinking. Amen? We're going to go through 11 real quick. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. It didn't say they shall inherit heaven. We're all going to go to heaven that know Jesus. But what does he say here, Stephen? He said, those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. The earth, that's tangible. It's land, it's buildings, it's homes, it's work, it's position, it's status, it's whatever it is that God wants you to have. He's saying here, if you wait on the Lord, if you wait patiently, the Lord comes through for you. Yeah. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. You know, sometimes they, you know, they're they're right in our faces, but then something happens. And the next thing you know, they're being carted off. Maybe with handcuffs or something. Oh, if I I could tell you I have to speak in parables sometimes because there's actual people here in Poplar Bluff that if I said their names, you'd all know them that have had situations like this happen where they had schemes and all, but then the Lord allowed them to be taken down. He says, Indeed, you will look carefully for his place. You'll look carefully for this person that you thought, Oh, man, they're super blessed. But they don't have a place anymore. But the meek, that doesn't mean weak. The meek, those like Moses, who weren't moved easily, and yet they weren't full verbosity, they weren't braggarts, very humble people. The humble, the meek, shall inherit the earth. The earth, not heaven. Oh, yeah, we're going to heaven one day. You know, all those songs about heaven. I used to lead worship, you know, back in the earlier days. I'm camping, I'm camping. Canaan's happy land. Every day I'm camping. You know, oh, that's a good song. It's a good hymn. But really, it's all about being in heaven. Man, what about the next 60 years we're going to live on earth? When I led worship, I was in my 20s. Now I'm 65 in March, and uh, I ain't camped in Canaan yet. Not one day. It's a happy land, though, when we get there. But he says, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Peace is wonderful. It's a mental condition. It's a spiritual condition. It's an emotional condition. And it's a physical condition. Where there's peace, you can't have war. War is absent from peace. In other words, God puts his foot down. And then things get better for you and I. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway. I just love those scriptures, and it helps with their attitude. Here's a question. Are you mad at God? 
Sometimes I wanted to get mad at God because I didn't understand what was going on. And I felt like I was watching these people. They were being blessed, and I thought they didn't deserve it. And you can get angry at God for letting that happen. But it, sometimes it's not God blessing them. It's they're scheming. It's they're, they're schmusing. They're talking it up. And they attract people with their personalities or whatever they have. But it's not always God. Psalm 73 and verse 21 says, Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? You ever felt that way? Who else do you have except God? He's the one. And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. And harlotry doesn't have to just be a man chasing after a prostitute, or I guess it could be the vice versa, but he or but it's about being a harlot after the things that you lust after and the things that aren't righteous. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Wow. In other words, don't let the world hang you up. Don't let their attitudes take you down. God is with you to deliver you. So are you mad at God? Well, draw two things out of this passage. Be up front with God about how you feel. In other words, be honest with God. That's how I was. God, I'm, I'm 61 at that time. Can I just have a little gold filling in my teeth if you're still going to let me see the vision? Please, God, you know. I pleaded with him, you know, I need, I'm feeling a little tired. I'm getting a little slow. I need a little energy from you, Lord. How about a gold tooth promise? Nothing like it. God's timing, the second thing, God's timing is like fruit. It has to ripen. In other words, when you think it needs to be, have you ever taken a piece of fruit? Now, I'll say, Zach, and Lucia liked the mangoes a little bit not quite ripe. They put salt or some of the lemon, whatever. Well, you just put salt, but they have the chili lemon pepper. That's what it is. That, that makes it good, too. But that's even better on a ripe one. But for me, a ripe mango. And you talk about delicious. In Mexico, I first experienced this when they had these sticks, and they put the stick in the bottom of the mango. They would cut off the skin, and then they would put that lemon chili pepper all over it, and it was just dripping juicy wet past your skin, and I'd bite into that. Boy, that lemon chili pepper would zing you, and the sweetness of the mango would come out even more. Delicious. You have to wait for the fruit to ripen. And I, I, I've never tried to eat a, a 
piece of a peach that wasn't ripe yet and put salt on it. That just didn't work like a mango does exactly. But strawberries, don't try to eat one of those green. It's terrible. I like my strawberries ripe. You know, that's how the blessings of God are. You have to be patient to wait until the fruit ripens. I'll tell you what, it's not a prophetic word. I, I can pray in the Holy Ghost and give somebody a prophetic word about any time. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying the Holy Spirit's that faithful and He's always speaking. All you got to do is tap in. Whoop, there's one right there. I'm going to grab a hold of it. I'd say, whoa, that's Kim's. Let me give it to her. She'd take it. But you know what? If it's not ripe yet, then you get discouraged. See, you have to wait patiently for the timing. That is a word I'd write down in my notes if I was taking that. I'd write timing. Timing is everything to do with a prophetic word from God. So many people haven't been willing to wait. And they get off too early into a circumstance thinking they're going to make it happen. Or it appears like it's the right time. But you, you just got to let it come to you. God is going to bring it to you for, for the fulfillment that is really awesome. Many times, I tell you, Sister Virginia, when we put those people in the hot seat, or they, they don't get in a chair for me usually. It's just standing there. Uh, but if they try to go out and make it happen, and they want to blame me or they want to blame Sister Virginia who gives them prophetic words, it's not our fault. All we are is a messenger. you got to wait until the timing of that word is ripe. I didn't just say ripe. I said ripe. Let it be ripe unto you. And it'll be like honey in your mouth. It really will. Romans 8.28 is a verse that we all know well. I'm going to try to wrap this up here in a few minutes. That's for those that are getting nervous. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's pretty simple. You love God, and he works in the middle of everything. You're called to his purpose, watch him do it. You know, I went and taught in the inner city public schools. I'd already taught in a Christian school and coached, and I'd been a youth pastor. I led worship and all, and I ended up in a position where I felt like I was just, I was stripped down. And when God gave me that position to come back to Poplar Bluff to be a school administrator, an associate pastor, I prospered because my time was ripe. I told you that story. That woman prophesied about a bunch of kids. I didn't realize what she meant. Went to New Orleans. I was a flop and a failure. I did not succeed in raising up a good church there. And when I got the call from John Snavely, I knew the timing was ripe. I knew that was what I was supposed to do. And when I came, 
I saw one of my former students today. He said, Mr. Mack, I just gotta I just gotta tell you thanks. He said, I'm a deacon at Westwood Baptist Church now. One of my students. And uh, he said, I'm also on the board of the Christian school. He said, I think about how you ran things. I think about when I was a student there, how you did things and how you handled things and how you set it up. And you know what? I didn't take a manual and figure it out. I just did what the Holy Spirit led me to do. I'd been a school teacher and a coach, and I understood education. I had a degree in education. And I just set it up the best way I knew how, and God just unfolded his plan every year. He said, how many students did we have before you left? I said, about 224, 225, something like that. I took it with 90 kids. In two and a half years, we were like 220, 225. He said, wow. How many, one of the other boys was there on the church, in the church there too. He said, well, how many high school kids do we have? I said, well, 7th through 12th grade, about 90 to 100. And I set up the where you had different classes. We bought lockers. I got deals on things. You just wouldn't believe how it all fit. It was God. When it's ripe, it works. And so we were successful in that endeavor. And when I left, they didn't have the vision for it like I had. And it wasn't my fault they didn't have it. I tried to show the way. But people just got to change things sometimes. But anyway, they're succeeding. And it's so cool. He said, you showed me so many things just as a student how a school ought to be. I said, well, you know, I'm still here. You can call me anytime you want to, and I'll tell you anything that I've forgotten. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, God causes it all to work together when you love him and you're called to his purpose. And in Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. When people don't have it together, it just isn't good. But this is what I wrote down. God is not intimidated by your questions. God wasn't intimidated by Habakkuk's questions there. He knows how it's going to turn out. See, we wonder, where are you, Lord? Man, we're going through a big mess. This is terrible. But God knows if we trust Him. And in Habakkuk, one eight nine it says, Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead and their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. Well, you know what? And that's what I wrote down. God's answers 
are not always what we want. God has to let sometimes it play out. And he has to let the rope down so somebody gets hung up in it and the enemy's dealt with. See, I don't have to fear, even though it looks bleak at times, because God is still in charge. You just don't have to worry. In Habakkuk 1.13, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously, and hold your tongue when the wicked devours? A person more righteous than he? We don't always like what we don't understand. How many of y'all been in circumstances or you've watched things and you said, I just don't understand what's going on. Why is that happening? I, that's why I look at government most of the time. Lord, wh what is going on? Why is that happening? But you know what? God's not caught off guard. He's not caught sleeping. He knows exactly what's going on. And in Habakkuk 2 and 4 it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen? Don't worry about all these prideful people and everything. They're claiming and doing and all that. If you're justified by your faith, you're going to live okay. You're going to make it. God's going to lead you. And then in verse 20, he says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth keep silence before him. What's that mean? God's in control. He's in charge. God didn't vacate. He's not stepped down, and he's not going to. He's still in charge. Do not despair or give up. God is in charge. Hallelujah. That was for anybody drifting off, taking a nap, by the way. Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. We're, we're getting to the end of this now. Hang in there with me. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will, Randy, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. No matter what it looks like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Look to God. Hallelujah. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? <clears throat> or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, and to him be glory forever. Amen. I like that last part, don't you? For of him, and to him 
and or through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Man, how awesome is that? Surprise, we become satisfied that God can run the world without our advice. Don't you like my sense of humor? I hope you do. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, oh, yeah, 8 and 9. All right. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So what? Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Oh, you know, I'm going through such a hard time. Let me take you to Cuba, where I have friends that came out of that move. And some, one brother that I knew, and I preached up in the church in North Miami. One time he was persecuted and thrown into a hole for nine months. Barely would they open up the lid to let a little bit of light come. By the time he got out, his eyesight was ruined. He couldn't see very well at all. But you talk about a humble man that was thankful to God to be alive to be able to share it. He had a powerful ministry. But there are those suffering in this world that, man, our hardships don't even come close to touching what they go through, what they've had to deal with. Tell you what. And then you know this verse, John 10, 10 and 11, which simply God wants us to live in abundance. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I so that we could live. Yeah. I'm not telling you a confusing, polarized word tonight. He wants you to be in good health. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to delight in Him and to get the desires of your heart. But at the same time, sometimes we go through to get to. Sometimes we go through hardship. We go through trouble so that when we come out on the other side, you know what? God tends to trust us a little bit more when we get a little more mature and we can handle things a little better. A lot of people have lost many things. And yet, do you love the Lord? Are you willing to serve Him? Then delight yourself in Him tonight and watch His hand move your enemy and bring you through to a victory like you've never seen. I think we're about to see it as the big church, the kingdom of God. And we're going to see it here. We're going to see some mighty things. I'll tell you, I've been in revivals, I've preached revivals that lasted for several days where people just kept coming. 
because of the move of God and the healing. And when it's real, that revival I preached here in 2000, I preached all over the place, you know, different cities, states, and countries. But that one that was here, Popper Bluff's hard ground sometimes. But I can't preach that revival, let me tell you. They were coming from every denomination to that revival. And they were receiving some powerful things from Jesus. And the same thing down in different cities and other places. Aguas Calientes. Man, I tell you what, it just amazes you what God does. He can transform a businessman into becoming an awesome pastor and preacher of the gospel. Supernatural signs and wonders. He'll show you things. Oh, Brother Tino, I know why he likes for me to come because when we're together, we're double trouble. But we sure enjoy preaching and sharing the good news. Won't you stand up tonight? And know this, no matter what your space is right now in life, wait for your fruit to ripen. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a month. But if you'll hold steady, steadfast, be vigilant, be sober, know that God is in control. And He will do it. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had together looking at your word. Encourage every believer that's been here tonight. Allow them to receive from your word what their heart needs and the soil of their life needs the seed to be planted in them so that they won't give up, they won't throw in the towel, but they'll rise up and enter in and receive what you've given us promises for. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you.